there was a five-year-old little girl, and like many children her age, she was playful and innocent without a care in the world. She spent her days dancing and singing to the song of her heart, and she imagined that she'd make a difference in the lives of others one day. And like many little girls, she longed for the day that she would love and be loved by her knight in shining armor. Then, one summer day when she was staying with a close family member that was trusted and loved, she was abused. And during her abuse, her abuser would ask her, do you love me? She would say yes, and he would say, then you won't tell anybody. The abuse went on for months, and any time she tried to protest and say no, he would tell her, then you don't love me. This created a distorted inner narrative, a distorted script in this little girl's head at a very young age about what love was and how it was shown. Now, a couple of years later, this little girl's parents divorce, and the plot of her escalated, the plot of her distorted script escalated. Her dad left and never returned. And from one day to the next, she went from daddy's little girl to where's my daddy. She waited and waited for him to return home. And as her nine-year-old brain tried to comprehend why he didn't, she began to try all sorts of things to bring him back. The voices in her head began to say, well, maybe if you were prettier, he'd want to see you. So she'd go and put on her prettiest dresses and put bows in her hair, but he never returned. Then her distorted inner narrative would say, well, maybe if you just cleaned up a little bit more, he'd come home. So she'd pick up all of her toys and clean her room and um, try to do the best that she could to be on her best behavior. But still, he didn't return. And eventually, she accepted she had been abandoned. The script in her head was written and had been solidified. She was not lovable. And this began directing how she behaved. Because the voices in her head controlled the story of her life. And now, as we have learned in this Inside Out series, we all have an inner narrative, a script inside of our heads. And whether we realize it or not, it controls the actions that we take in our lives. Now, this narrative, this script is shaped by our experiences. So when your ex left you high and dry, the voices in your head said you aren't good enough to be loved. When your well-intending parent who wanted you to experience a bright future but overly pressured you to succeed, your script said you will never amount to anything. When your selfish coworker acting out from his own script stabbed you in the back, your script started to say you can't trust anyone and you should only look out for yourself. Maybe your past church experience created an inner narrative in your mind that the religious community is judgmental and condemning. 
Perhaps someone called you ugly, fat, stupid, and those words became permanent voices in your head. Maybe your dad didn't come home and your script says, you're not worth it. Or just maybe you were forced to do something that you didn't want to do. And to this very day, your script is telling you that it's all your fault. Here's the problem. Psychologists tell us that the voices in our head dictate how we will behave. In our inner narrative, our script shapes the trajectory of our story. So because of this, many of us aren't living a story that we're proud of, and we see no way that we can possibly fix it. So we've turned to pick-me-ups. We have retail therapy, hours of online gaming, junk food, alcohol, drugs, pornography and promiscuity. Ladies, that means 50 shades of gray and Magic Mike live in Vegas. It hurts. These are temporary outlets that don't fix anything but cause our lives to spiral out of control. So the question is, what should we do instead? How can the distorted scripts in our mind be rewritten so we can live a better story? Well, there was a woman in the Bible named Esther, and she had to answer this very question. So let's take a look at her story. So Esther was a young Jewish woman in the Persian Empire where the Jews were treated as second-class citizens under the iron-fisted rule of King Xerxes and his wife, Queen Vashti. Well, one day, the king threw this big party, and after he had one too many Jack and Cokes, He sent out an order for his queen to come and dance in front of all of his partygoers while only wearing her crown. Uh, That means naked. Well, she understandably refused. And the king was furious, outraged and embarrassed. And so he ordered to have his queen banished. Some scholars believe he had his wife executed. Well, this is where Esther enters into the story. In order for the king to find a sexy new young queen, he ordered for a beauty pageant to be held across all of his land. And Esther was one of those that was selected. And so for the next year, she was given beauty treatments. Six months of oil and myrrh and six months of perfumes and preparations before she had her first meeting with the king in his sleeping quarters. Okay, so can we just take a time out right here? And ladies, is there anybody in here that can feel me on this one? I remember when I was young and single and I would get ready for a first date and it was like a torturous routine. There was the shower, the shave, the wax, the tweezing, the plucking, the mani, the petty, the blow dryer, the flat iron, squeezing into the Spanx. Yeah, I went there, I went there, squeezing into the Spanx and torturing my toes and heels all night long. I mean, it would at least be an hour and a half routine. And not to mention, if I was really into the guy, all the prep work and shopping and preparations ahead of time that it took. It became pretty expensive. Anybody feel me on that, ladies? Okay, 
When it was all said and done, it was pricey. So, Esther got a year's worth of these beauty treatments, a year's worth of pampering and preparations, and it was all on the king's dime. Uh, nice. Well, the beauty treatments paid off, and Esther won the beauty pageant. And immediately, she was whisked away from a life of poverty to a palace of luxury. Now, most would say that this is the fairy tale that little girls dream of. I mean, what girl doesn't want to be a princess or a queen and live in a palace and have servants and jewels and attend the most lavish parties and get beauty treatments all the time? I mean, Esther's like the biblical version of Cinderella. But I wonder what the voices in Esther's head were saying. Was it a fairy tale to her? Or could her inner narrative have been seriously distorted? The scripture gives us some insight, and it starts when she was a young girl. As a child, her parents passed away, and an important part of her narrative was being written. She was a female in a male-dominated world, and I'm guessing those voices could have told her that she couldn't think for herself. She lived with her uncle in poverty, that script could have told her she will probably never amount to much. Up until that time, she was single and didn't have the cultural status of being married and having children. Her first date with the king was in his sleeping quarters and had the pressure of an X-rated performance. And after becoming queen, she walked on eggshells daily, waiting for her husband to rage and banish her like he did his ex. It's easy to see that the voices in Esther's head could have been seriously distorted. And just like us, the voices in Esther's head began to control the story of her life. And when the plot escalated, Esther's distorted inner narrative threatened the existence of an entire Jewish nation. So here's what happened. King Xerxes' right-hand man tricked him into issuing an order to annihilate all the Jews, to have them all killed. And knowing only she had the king's ear as the queen, Esther's uncle, who raised her, pleaded desperately with her to use her royal influence to save her people. But listen to how Esther responded. She said, Everyone knows that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court who is not summoned, he has but one law, that he be put to death, unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to the, come to the king for these 30 days. Esther was saying, don't you see? The king holds all the power. I have no power. I can't even look at him without permission, let alone contest one of his orders. And he hasn't even asked to see me for at least 30 days. I cannot possibly make a difference. The distorted voices in her head were dictating how she behaved. You know, you and I, we do this all the time. And it sounds like things that we say when we say, but I'm not smart enough. Who would ever listen to my ideas? I'm just a woman living in a man's world. 
I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough money, I don't have the skills necessary. No one could ever love me. And if you only knew the things that I have done, you would know that there's no way that God could ever forgive me. Friends, this almost seems impossible. I mean, how can we possibly live a better story when our distorted inner narratives limit us? Well, Esther's uncle gives us some perspective in how he replied to her. He said, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all of the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. In other words, he said, look, I understand how you think of yourself. I understand that you've lived a difficult story and you haven't experienced the fairy tale that you dreamed of. I know that what you imagine life would be like as a little girl isn't playing out how you fantasized about it, but Esther, you have got to flip the script and you have to rewrite your inner narrative and act or else innocent people will die. Now folks, pay attention to this because this is huge. I mean, this is my favorite part. When we observe the Old Testament scriptures and the Hebrew language that they were originally written in, we gain a few nuggets critical to rewriting our distorted inner narratives today. The phrase from which we translate, you have not attained, derives from the Hebrew word nalga. No, not nalga. (laughs) The Bible was not written in Spanish, nalga. It's Hebrew. Y'all are a myth. Okay. (laughs) Whenever we see nauga throughout the Old Testament of the Bible, it's more literally translated to be touched or to be tapped on the shoulder. Esther's uncle implied that God, the creator of the universe, had tapped Esther on the shoulder, not only to rewrite the voices in her head, but to change the world. He wanted her to change her perspective on her circumstances and to see that while her life was not the fairy tale that she imagined it would be or how it would play out, that she was a part of a larger story. She was a part of a bigger script, God's script. Esther's uncle understood that we flip the script when we act on the tap. We flip the script when we act on the tap. Okay, so what exactly does this mean? I mean, what does it practically look like for us to flip the script and to rewrite the inner narratives and act on the tap? Well, let's see how Esther's story unfolded. After her uncle pleaded with her, she replied, I will go to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Friends, to act on the tap means to choose God. To act on the tap means that the pain in your story can be redeemed. To act on the tap means that God can rewrite your distorted inner narrative because it's a part of his 
grander story. For Esther, acting on the tap meant seeking God's purpose for her life. It meant trusting that he was in total control when she risked approaching her psychopath king. She risked her life to save others. And when Esther chose God, it worked. She flipped the script. The king listened to Esther and rescinded his decree. And as a result of Esther fighting the distorted voices in her head and acting on the tap, she saved the Jewish nation that birthed Jesus, the Messiah. You know, all around us, marriages are falling apart. Children in our communities are being abandoned and abused. Folks are in financial disarray and friends are losing their battle to addiction. There are a whole lot of people that are hurting and depressed and a whole lot of little boys and girls who don't feel loved. And if you and I do not act on the tap, innocent people that we love will continue to perish. So I have a question for you. Have you considered that God has tapped you on the shoulder for such a time as this? Maybe you were abused as a child. Is it possible that God has been tapping you on the shoulder to prevent other children from experiencing the same? We flip the script when we act on the tap. Maybe you succumbed to temptation and committed an affair. Is it possible that God has been tapping you on the shoulder to help other couples avoid similar missteps and experience healing? We flip the script when we act on the tap. Maybe God is tapping you on the shoulder wanting to rewrite what depression has done to your script or what addiction has done to your script. Or maybe God wants to use your pain from an abortion, a miscarriage, or the tragic loss of a loved one to help others find comfort. We flip the script when we act on the tap. But some of you, Y'all are struggling with this, and the voices in your head are too loud, and, you're too and your inner narrative is too distorted, and it's been all that you've ever known. And I get it, it is hard, it is an all-out fight. But I want you to know that there is a God who loves you, and he is relentlessly tapping each and every one of you on the shoulder, begging you to let him rewrite the lines of your life. He wants to rewrite your inner narrative because God knows that the voices in your head control the story of your life. So do you remember that little girl with a distorted script I mentioned earlier? Well, she grew from a young girl to a young woman and the voices in her head that were all jacked up were all that she ever listened to. She entered in and out of relationships without an understanding of her self-worth, robbing her of the ability to genuinely love and be loved by others as she acted out of fear and abandonment. Now this perpetual cycle of disappointment and abandonment reinforced the distorted inner narrative. She made a series of bad choices and turned to all kinds of methods to numb the pain. But one day, after being invited to City Church, she hesitantly agreed to come. And it was here 
that she heard about a God who loved her unconditionally and her story began to change. Through the inspiration and teaching of weekend services, through meeting God in these very seats through worship, attending recovery classes and digging into the Bible, the scripture began to rewrite her script and she started to feel God's tap. I know this because that distorted script belonged to me. I stand before you today not with a distorted script of an abused and abandoned little girl, but as a woman who has been redeemed. You see, I had to flip the script and rewrite the inner narrative that the voices in my head read from that told me I'm not good enough, I'm not worth it, that love costs something, and that with the things that I have done that God will not forgive me, let alone use me. But I am good enough. I'm worth dying for. God's love doesn't cost me anything. I am forgiven, and I am being tapped on the shoulder. That's my new story. It was not easy. It still isn't. It is an all-out fight. I had to fight the distorted script with the truth. This past March, I left the life as an executive at a Fortune 250 company to come and serve you as a pastor for such a time as this. I mean, a friggin' pastor. <laughs> I'm like, really? <sighs> That's all God. It wasn't until I flipped the script and rewrote my inner narrative that I was able to act on the tap. And friends, you have the same script written for you. He wrote it for everyone. He literally died to give you a new script for a better life. One that he has tapped you on the shoulder for. (laughs) Folks, No matter how screwed up your story is, he wants to use you. He created you for a grand story and a story that has to start from the inside out. And no, it's not easy. You will have an all out fight with the voices in your head. But friends, let's fight. And I mean fight to flip the script and this time Let's let God be the author. Father, I wanna thank you for every single person in this room right now. And Father, I know that you are tapping people on the shoulder right now. And Father, I pray for anybody that has a script in their head of abandonment, that you replace that with you will never leave us or forsake us. And Father, for anybody in here that's got an inner narrative that has fatherlessness in it, Father, right now I ask you to replace that with you are the child of the most high king. 
And Father, for anybody right now that feels like they are invisible and that that is a part of their script, Father, replace that with my child. I know how many hairs are on your head. And Father, for those people whose chests are pounding, whose palms are sweaty, because they know that you are talking to them and tapping them on the shoulder, but they are thinking to themselves, I cannot possibly do it, and I am not made for this. Father, right now, replace that in their heads with, child, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in my image, knit together perfectly in your mother's womb. And Father, for anybody who feels like they are worthless, replace that right now with my child you are worth dying for. Father, I ask that you give everybody the courage to answer your call, to answer your tap so that they may change the world. And I pray all of these things In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you very much for allowing me to share some of my story with you today. I hope you have enjoyed this five-week series of Inside Out. Friends, if you are feeling something and something is stirred up inside of you, we are gonna have our prayer team down front. Please do not leave this place without letting us serve you in that way. And next week, we are going to start a new series with John Witte titled Religion Made Simple, and you won't wanna miss it. Will I see you there? All right, y'all have a great week.